Psalm 119, verse 160. The Bible says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. And we here at Grace Baptist Church believe that, don't we? God wrote it, and we believe it. Not because that we have any special authority, but because God has the authority, and it's our job as believers to submit to His authority. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love You and we trust You. We believe that You inspired Your words and then You preserved them. You've handed them down to us to this day. We can read them, believe in them, trust them. Father, today we're looking at the marvelous work that was done in the King James Bible. But Lord, King James is not the one that we honor. It's King Jesus that we honor. So Lord, we love you and we're thankful that we are able to have the Word of God in our language. So Father, help us to believe it, help us to know it, help us to memorize it and study it and to teach it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, I, I was talking with Dalton Robertson last night, and uh, if you don't know who I'm speaking of, he's, he's my best friend. He's a pastor in Florida, and he does the work on the Ancient Baptist Press with me. And I just asked him this question. I said, how would you teach the history of the King James Bible in one message? And he just laughed. He said, I'd have a very long message. Um, and so we're not going to do that this morning. But what I want to do is I want to give you just a, just a brief overview of how the Bible that you hold in your hands came into being. And we'll see how far we get, and then I'll decide uh, what we're going to do this evening, uh, depending on how much material we get through. Where did the English Bible come from? Well, there are forerunners to our King James Bible, the first being the Wycliffe Bible. And uh, doesn't that Bible just help you so much? Um, we can see our fodder, uh, something art in heavens, Halwid, be Yai name, uh, Yai kingdom come, to be Yai will done in. I, I'm not sure what word that is. Do you see that that would be a very difficult thing for us to read? That's because this was written in 1380. I believe that this particular page is from a 1430 copy of the Bible that Wycliffe, the New Testament that Wycliffe completed in 1380, and shortly after that he completed the Old Testament. Wycliffe lived to be an old man. He died when he was in his 80s. Um, but the, the, the Roman Catholic Church dug up his bones, burned them to ashes, and threw them in the river because they hated the idea of the Bible being placed in the language of the people at that time. Um, so that was Wycliffe. So when people talk about Wycliffe being the first to translate the Bible into the English language, it was, really, it was, it was really Middle English. It wasn't quite the English that we would uh, know today. Those are Gothic letters, and that's why it's hard for us to read them. So this would have been uh, 1380, this particular copy, 1430. The next that we have here is, the next text that we have is from the Coverdale Bible of 1535. Um, Coverdale was, remember Wycliffe, 1520, or, uh, uh, Tyndale, John Tyndale, left England in 1524 to translate his Bible. It was against the law to have the Bible in the language of the people. Let me read you something that Tyndale had said. As a matter of fact, we'll go to Tyndale's and come back to this. Um, this, is, this is from the Tyndale Bible of 1536. Tyndale completed his New Testament between 1535 and 1536, but was killed before he could finish uh, the Old Testament. And he said this to uh, one of his critics as he was trying to translate the Bible. He said, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life ere many years, I will cause the boy that driveth the plow shall know more of the Scripture than thou dost. He said that to a Catholic priest. And how many of you know that that's true? It is true. And so I'm thankful for the sacrifice of Tyndale. The reason that you have Tyndale and Coverdale so closely, Tyndale, of course, was killed. What happened was he fled to Germany, was doing his translation in Germany. 1536, he was lured to Belgium 
for a meeting to talk about the Bible, he was imprisoned and then strangled and burned at the stake. Uh, why? Because uh, he wanted to get the Bible in the language of the common man. And uh, the, the, the religious leadership of that day did not want that to happen. The king in England at that point was Henry VIII. Henry VIII um, at that point was against Tyndale. Well, he changed his mind after he became the head of the Church of England in 1534. All these different things, circumstances happened. The people, they needed a Bible in the language of the people. So he had Coverdale translate the Bible. And what Coverdale did was Coverdale took Tyndale's Bible and translated it into uh, the English language. Or took Tyndale's Bible, completed it, and that became the Coverdale Bible. So God did use Tyndale to have the boy that drive the plow, that drove the plow, to know more of the Word of God than the priest did. Isn't that a blessing? Um, I, I want to say this, too, that Tyndale's New Testament was the first complete New Testament that had been translated from the original languages. Uh, Wycliffe's Bible was translated from the Old Latin. Many times you'll read that it was translated from the Latin Vulgate. Uh, we know that that's not true because um, the, the Catholic Church would not have killed someone for having the Latin Vulgate in the people's language. Uh, it was because of the text that was used. And so then uh, his, the, the Wycliffe Bible was changed to match the Vulgate later on. But the first Bible that was translated in the English language from the Greek would have been the, the Tyndale, and then the Coverdale came from that. As you can see, this Tyndale, this is the letter to the Ephesians. I've got it blown up here so that you can read it. Um, look at what it says. And quickened you after, after when ye were dead through trespasses and sins, in the which in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, after the prince that ruleth in the air, namely after the, the spirit which now worketh in the children, in the, in the childs of unbelief, among whom... Do you see how similar that is to your Bible? It really is, when you're considering language, this Tyndale Bible is very close to your King James Bible. Um, this, I got this at the British Library in uh, England. That's why it's the British Library. And um, this is actually a reprint of the Tyndale New Testament of 1526. And so it's, a, it's just an interesting thing, and you can read it. Once you learn some of the, the letter changes, you can sit down and read this very easily. And I've read uh, significant portions of it. And it very much matches the Bible that you hold in your hands. Someone has estimated that some 85% of your New Testament um, was the actual work of John Tyndale. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and we'll, we'll discover as we go how that works. But I want you to see that, that Tyndale would have had it very similar to where we are. All right. Um, this is the great Bible. The next Bible that came. So you had you had Wycliffe, then you had Tyndale, Coverdale. The next Bible was the Great Bible. It was called the Great Bible because it was big. All right. And the Great Bible was ordered by uh, the king to be translated and put into every church. So every church had to have a Great Bible. And every church had to use only that Bible. And they wanted it to be large so the common person could come in and read it. They could stand there and read it, and many people could gather around it and read it. And so there was supposed, every church in England had to buy a copy of the Great Bible, and it was chained to the pulpit. Can you imagine? Uh, you know, you could leave your Bible anywhere now, nobody would take it. But there it was so valuable it had to be chained. That was the Great Bible. And again, you could, you could read this. Um, this is talking about uh, Jeho Jehoia King, K-Y-N-G-E, the king of Judah, began to reign, R-A-Y-G-N-E. Uh, why is it spelled? Could these guys not spell? What was the problem? There were no dictionaries. There wasn't a standard spelling. I would have been great back then. <laughs> there wasn't any standard spelling. However it sounded, that's how you'd spell it. 
I've got um, I've got some works here. This is from the 1840s. Anderson's Annals of the of the English Bible. He was a Scotsman, a Scottish Baptist pastor, and he did a great history. This is a a condensed version. It uh, the original is two volumes, two large volumes that I would like to have, but they're, they're expensive. Um, <laughs> I know you're thinking they never stopped me before, but these are a little bit too expensive. Um, and what what they show in here when he's quoting writers about Tyndale or Wycliffe, their names are spelled about ten different ways, and none of them are wrong. It's just because there was no set spelling, and that's why when you read some of these old Bibles, it becomes difficult to read. And um, I, I have this book. This is the Gothic Anglo-Saxon Wycliffe and Tyndale Gospels. And what they've done here is you, they've got them next to each other. So you can see the Gothic translation, the Anglo-Saxon translation, the Wycliffe and the Tyndale. And put them side by side in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and compare them. It's really fascinating to see uh, what happened in that. And then I also have here the Bible of Every Land. Samuel Baxter was uh, a young man who was trained under the Baptist John Ryland. Uh, he became a famous printer in England and a great student of the Word of God. Baxter's Polyglot Bible is, is famous because he took um, ancient uh, versions, and that's different languages of the Bible, and would put them side by side in columns so people could compare the text. His son, Samuel Baxter, um, was also a, a Baptist. And how many of you have seen the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge? You ever seen the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge? That was written by Samuel Baxter. R.A. Torrey edited it later on, but that is the work of Samuel Baxter. Um, do, do you have anybody here that enjoys keeping bees? Any beekeepers here? One of the most significant books on beekeeping was written by Samuel Baxter, the youngster, on the keeping of bees is what it was called. And uh, so he, very important men. But this book, The Bible of Every Land, um, this is the only copy that I know of uh, in any of the, the bookstores anywhere in the world. There are second editions available. This is first edition. And when you look at it, and the reason that's important is because uh, as things change, as, as revisions are done, you lose the original content many times. That's why you try and find first editions. But this book is, um, you have the Bible of all lands, every Scripture text known to man in the 1850s, 1840s, he has copies, uh, portions of the text, and beautifully done. So if you would like to see, um, one of the things that I enjoyed looking at was Adoniram Judson's translation into the language of the, the Burman people, the Bengali language. And if, if you'd like to see... I can't really show you. You know when you're typing on the fonts and you pull up different fonts? You know the one that says wingdings? How many of you have seen the wingdings? That's what this language looks like. <laughs> Am I right? Look at that, all the way on the right. It, it's, it's unbelievable. And that's the language that, that the Baptist, the great Baptist uh, missionary, Adoniram Judson, when he went to Burma, he had to not only, he had to write an alphabet, and a dictionary, and a grammar, and the Bible. William Carey did that for more than 27 languages in India. Wrote the alphabet, wrote them an alphabet, wrote them dictionaries, wrote them grammars, translated the Bible, and then translated other works like uh, Pilgrim's Progress and things like that. And if you'd like to see those, they're up here. I want you to see them because I want you to understand what is behind the Bible that you hold in your hands, especially the Bible of every land, because I'm going to read to you the sources and the method of translating that the King James translators used in translating your Bible. And then when you come and look at what those languages were, you'll understand what's behind your Bible and why it's different than any other Bible in the world. All right, let's go on. Here we have the Matthews Bible, Matthews is 1549. This, this would have followed those other editions. And this is the Gospel of Mark. And you could read that very well. The beginning of the Gospel of, of Jehu Christ. See, they don't even have it as Jesus. Jehu Christ. And what's interesting, in the English language, up until about the 1700s, there was no J. 
in the alphabet. Isn't that interesting? So as you're reading the text, it becomes difficult to read. And do you know how you know whether it's a J or an I? The context. You have to know what the word is. It's an, it's an interesting dynamic, okay? This is the Geneva Bible. How many of you have heard of the Geneva Bible? What happened was um, it, during the Protestant Reformation, the Reformation took place in 1517. The only reason that any of these Bibles exist, we've talked about Erasmus, Desiderius Erasmus, spent 40 years compiling a Greek text and printed that text in 1516. That was the first time a text was ever in the language of the people. Um, 1514, uh, someone had compiled the Complutensian polyglot. And you remember that, it was going to be a test. And what that was, was that was a Greek translation from the, the Vulgate text, the text that would have underlined the Vulgate with a Vulgate translation next to it. Uh, that was done in 1514, but it wasn't approved by the Pope to be printed until 1522. So the first text available for people was Erasmus' text of 1516. All these Bibles came from that. All right? And then the revisions of that, the other work that had been done on the Greek text. That's why you're starting to see Bibles where there weren't Bibles in the language of the people before that. So you have the Reformation. It began October 31st, 1517. That was in Germany. But you also had the Reformation in Switzerland. And you had uh, Huldrych Zwingli in Zurich. You had John Calvin in Geneva. Well, there were believers who were Protestants in England but it was against the law under the reign of Bloody Mary. She was a Catholic queen. To be, uh, it, was, it was against the law to be a Protestant. You'd be burned at the stake. So they went to different places in Germany and in France and in uh, Switzerland. Germany and France became difficult because depending on the canton that you lived in in Germany, the, the, it was either Catholic or Protestant. So you had to be careful where you actually settled down. Um, it's hard for us to even imagine. Can you imagine? Where are we going to live? Will, will they kill us if we go to church? That's hard for us to think that way. But those are the decisions that these people had to make. Um, and they were serious about it, man. They would torture you if you believed differently than they did, horribly. Um, Michael Sattler, 1525, left Zurich because uh, he was a, a Baptist. Zwingli ran him out. Uh, he was going to, to kill him. He went to Germany, they had the Schleitheim Conference, and he was arrested, and the sentence that the Roman Catholic judge passed on him for, for teaching Baptist doctrine was that uh, he would be taken to the place of execution, his tongue would be cut out, then he'd be pinched with, uh, with red-hot tongs five times, you know, flesh uh, pulled off his body with red-hot tongs five times, um, then he'd be taken out to the city, he'd be uh, pinched three or four more times with those hot tongs, and then burned at the stake. And that's what might happen to Michael Sattler because he was a Baptist. So understand that it was a, you, you had to be sure that you really believed what you believed, right? And you had to know why you believed what you believed. Well, a group of Protestant believers went to Geneva, Switzerland, and they translated the Bible into the language of the people. They didn't like the Bibles that the Anglicans had translated because they didn't like the concept of the king. They were against kings. And uh, if you read any of the histories, the Geneva Bible is called a seditionist Bible or an anarchist Bible because they were against the divine right of kings. Look with me in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 10. The divine right of kings, that is their right to proclaim anything that they chose, comes from this verse. Proverbs 16.10, a divine sentence is in the, the lips of the king. His mouth transgresseth not in judgment. So based on that, they had this concept called the divine right of kings. Well, the Geneva Bible, all through the Old Testament, um, I, I had meant to look up the exact number. I've heard this and I could be wrong. We'll have to follow up on it. But from what I understand, 300 times in the Old Testament where, where the word king would be used, they translated it tyrant. So what do you think the kings thought of that? They didn't like it. So the, the, the text itself was a problem for the kings, but even more than the text were the marginal notes. And so that's why I have a copy of this Geneva Bible here for you, uh, a, a picture of it. This is the text. All of these are the notes. So, you know, like a Schofield Bible, you might see a few words of text and a whole lot of notes. That's the way the Geneva Bible was. 
Something interesting, how many of you noticed something immediately different about the Geneva Bible? How many of you noticed something different? What do you notice? Verse numbers. This is the first place the verse numbers appear in an English Bible, it's in the Geneva Bible. All right? And uh, you guys are observant. Good job. Uh, I want you to see something. I want, this is, I, I wish I could have found some notes about the king, but I, I, I probably could, but I, I didn't, ran out of time for this. But this is this will give you an idea of the notes. Remember, this is the the Calvinist Reformed theology Bible, and all of their notes are Reformed from the Reformation. All right. So here, that is um, arising with the, this is the Book of Revelation where Jesus Christ is now establishing His kingdom. That is arising with their kingdoms out of that Roman beast. At such time as that political empire against the craft of the popes, greatly to fall. So namely with that second beast, and so all through when it's talking about the beast, when it's talking about the false prophet, Revelation chapter 17, they're always identifying that in the Geneva Bible as the pope. So that was the political and religious situation that was going on in Europe. So let me ask you a question. What do you think Bloody Mary would have thought of this Bible? No, she wouldn't have liked it. So that's the Geneva Bible. So the next Bible that we see, this is the Bishop's Bible. So because the Great Bible was considered a poor translation, it was done quickly in a poor translation, um, and it was too large to use, the, decided, the, the, the throne decided that they needed another Bible, and so they had the bishops do it. And this was done just by a few bishops, and it was done very quickly. And this would support the divine right of kings. So the Bishop's Bible was printed in opposition to the Geneva Bible. Now, how many of you think it's a bad idea to have a Bible with an agenda other than that of the writer? Right? So that's what's going on. That's the political climate. So the king had the Geneva Bible. The Protestants, Church of England had the Bishop's Bible. The Protestants, the Puritans, they had the Geneva Bible, and ne'er the twain shall meet. So now we come to the King James Bible, 1611. So now, let's take a minute and let's talk about that political climate. Here's what happened. You had Henry VIII. Henry VIII, with his all of his wives, he wanted to get a divorce. Um, he wanted to divorce Catherine, Mary Ann Bolin, and the Pope would not grant him an annulment uh, or a writing of divorcement. He wanted an annulment because in the Catholic Church you couldn't get divorced, and they wouldn't give him either one. So he disbanded the monasteries, burned them down. If you go to Ireland today, you can see monasteries that were destroyed by under the reign of Henry VIII. Um, and he became the head of the Church of England, 1534. All right? So he reigns for so many years, he dies, and his son Edward VI becomes king. He was a child king. He only lived until he was 15 years old. He didn't want any of his Catholic relatives to become king, so he had his friend, uh, Lady Jane Eyre, or Lady Jane Grey, Jane Eyre. That's a different, that's, a, that's not right. Um, <laughs> Lady Jane Grey became queen, and she was queen. She ruled for a very long time, nine days, and then she was killed. And uh, the uh, testimony of Lady Jane Grey is something that you ought to read. She was a, a godly lady and a, a born-again Christian. So she's put to death by the lovely Bloody Mary. And Bloody Mary would burn, go on to burn 200 people at the stake in a, in a short period of time. Um, she was uh, Henry's daughter, all right? And she was... The, and how many of you have struggled to, to keep Mary, Queen of Scots, and Bloody Mary separate? How many of you have a hard time understanding who's who and which one and all of that? How many of you have never really cared? Okay. Well, Bloody Mary is Mary Tudor. Mary Tudor. And that's T-U-D... O-R, young people. And so she, that, that's the, the Tudor dynasty. Mary, Queen of Scots, is Mary Stuart from Scotland. Mary, Queen of Scots, was James, King James of your King James Bible. She was his mother. She was a Roman Catholic. She was married uh, to a, a Catholic prince. And so uh, that prince died in France. She came back and married a Stuart. That's how the lines came together. James, now this is, gets a little convoluted, so I won't get into too much detail. How did James then of Scotland, he was James VI of Scotland, 
How did he become James I of England? How did that happen? We have to understand that even though Scotland and England are on the same island, they were separate kingdoms until 1707. And they hated each other, killed each other. It was a war all the time. So how did James of Scotland, James VI of Scotland, become James I of England? Well, King Henry VIII's sister was Margaret. So now you have Mary becomes, in England, you have Edward VI. He dies at 15. Jane Grey is killed after nine days. Bloody Mary becomes the queen. Bloody Mary dies childless. And so Elizabeth becomes the queen. Good Queen Bess, right? She never married. So she died childless. So now they have to try and figure out who's going to be the, the, the next king of England. And there was a dispute whether Parliament would pick the king or if it would go by lineal succession or bloodline succession. They decided to go by bloodline succession, and so the nearest male to the line was James VI of Scotland because his great-grandmother was Margaret, the sister of Henry VIII. You all got that memorized? So that's how king becomes, that's how James becomes king in England. But this is why this is so important. If none of that had happened, you wouldn't have the Bible that you hold in your hands. And there's not a more significant piece of literature in the history of the world than the King James Bible. It's so important that you understand the significance of the book that you hold in your hands. How long did these other Bibles last? The longest of them was the Geneva Bible. It was used until about the 1640s. And by the time that that edition of the King James Bible came out with the Geneva Notes, the Geneva Bible was done. It just wasn't used anymore. It was done. And now we have 400 years this year, 400 years of the King James Bible being used. None of the other translations of the Bible have lasted in use the way that that Bible has. There are many reasons for that that we don't have time to get into. But let's get into the understanding of how that Bible came to be. 1603, Queen Elizabeth dies. James VI of Scotland is made king. He became king of Scotland when he was 18 months old. He didn't actually start reigning until he was about 15. He had a regent, a first regent, that would, who was actually his uncle, an illegitimate child of the, one of the other rulers, of one of the other kings, who, who raised him. He never knew his mother. His mother married Queen of Scots. She had been fighting against Elizabeth, trying to become Queen of England, for 19 years, trying to overthrow Elizabeth. Well, when she started to have a problem with her kingdom in Scotland, she ran to England hoping to get some help from Elizabeth. Elizabeth put her in prison and then ultimately had her killed. Um, aren't these nice people? These are, these are lovely people. And uh, when I was in Jedborough, Scotland, preaching a few years ago, I went to the house, Mary Stewart's house, and they have her death mask there. They would make a mask of the person in death, and so they had a figure of her laying on, or they brought her body there in state, and uh, that body is, I believe the body is actually still there. And they have a wax face on the body that I was able to see. Pretty cool, huh, guys? It was awesome. But uh, so now you have James, who's the king. He never knew his mother. Why is that important? His mother was Roman Catholic. James was raised Protestant. Remember, John Knox had brought about the Protestant Reformation in Scotland and was a great preacher of the gospel. And so King James had been raised under Protestant tutelage. So now he comes to England, but there's a problem. Remember, he's raised under a Presbyterian form of government where a council comes together, a presbytery, and makes decisions. He didn't want that. He liked the Episcopal form of government where a bishop makes the rules. And his saying that he would say over and over again in ecclesiastical matters is this, no bishop, no king. If there's no bishop in charge, then there's no king. So you're going to have a bishop in charge. That was James's idea of church polity and authority. But James becomes king in 1603, 36 years old. He takes a trip from Edinburgh, and I, we've been to, Laura and I have been to Holyrood Castle in Edinburgh, and we've seen the room where James was born, and he comes in a, in a fancy procession from Edinburgh, Scotland, all the way down to London. On the way, he's approached by a man named John Reynolds. John Reynolds is the president of uh, one of the colleges at the University of Oxford. 
and a brilliant, brilliant man, and he brought with him the, what was called the millinery petition. It's called the millinery petition because it states in its introduction that more than a thousand ministers have signed this. So it's called the millinery petition. And what they're doing is they're asking James, the Protestant king, to help uh, purify the Anglican church, the Church of England. And what they're trying to remove are Roman Catholic influences in the church. Where do those Roman Catholic influences come from? Well, they were Catholic churches until Henry VIII told them, now you're Church of England. So they were, they were Catholic. And generally, if you ask people now, what's the difference between an Anglican priest and a Catholic priest, they'll tell you an Anglican priest can get married. That's primarily the difference in the Church of England at this point. At that point, the Reformation is coming up, and, and there's changes being made in the Church of England heading toward a Protestant direction. Well, Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, didn't want her, her country to go into a civil war. So what she did was she had the, the Roman Catholic vestures, the, the fancy dress and all of the trappings of the Roman Catholic system brought back into the Church of England. Well, of course, during the Reformation, these people are seeing the errors in the Catholic system, the paganism involved with all of that, and they're saying, we don't want it. So that was a part of the millinery petition. They wanted pastors to be trained. They wanted the pastors to know and understand the Word of God. They wanted them to have all these things. So James says, we'll take care of that. So 1603, he announces that he's going to have a conference at his palace, Hampton Court, the Hampton Court Conference. It was supposed to be in uh, November of 1603. He postponed it until January of 1604. January of 1604, he brings all of his bishops in. Many of the deans, a dean is a position just below a bishop of the Church of England, and the Puritans. But the Puritans were outnumbered, I don't know, five or eight to one. What was the king doing? He was demonstrating the direction that he was going to go. The Puritans, what were the Puritans? They were people that wanted to purify the Church of England. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to change the 39 articles, the doctrine of, the statement of faith for the Anglican Church of the 39 articles. They wanted to add things to that, part of the Lambeth Conference where they had brought in Calvinistic doctrine. They wanted to add that to the 39 articles. They didn't do that. James said, no, no. So what happened was they were only able to present four petitions. John Reynolds came and he had to present his petition on his knees before the king. What was the king doing? He's demonstrating the place that John Reynolds needed to be in his presence. How many of you are glad you don't live like that anymore? Amen. From now on, when you come into my office, you kneel. How, how well would that go over? Right? <laughs> yeah. I got you kneeling. But that's, that was the world at that time. So we're not going to go into all the things that Reynolds wanted to accomplish. Reynolds, he wanted to make sure that they suppressed seditious literature. So these Puritans, they're not us. They're not Bible-believing Baptists. How many of you understand that? The reason that you have freedom of religion and freedom of literature is because of the Baptist influence of the United States of America. We've done all kinds of work on that. You need to know that. That's not who these people were that are involved in the Hampton Court Conference. So the good guys would have wanted us put in prison. Don't ever forget that. But these are people that wanted purity in the Word of God. So one of the things that he says is, in this petition, as he's petitioning the king, he's, just as a throwaway line, he says, and we'd like a revision of the, the bishop's Bible because the, it's, it's a horrible translation full of errors. Why, why, now, so the king throws him a bone. And he gives 15 points that he's going, of changes that he's going to make. Almost none of them of any interest to the Puritans at all. But he says, we are going to have a new translation of the Bible. Why was he going to do that? Because the people liked the Geneva Bible because they could understand it. They hated the bishop's Bible. The king wanted the bishop's Bible, though, because it defended the divine right of kings. So what he called for was a new translation with no marginal notes. No notes. In the margins, the only thing you can put in the margins is if you find a word and you're not sure which would be the best translation of that, you can put those words in the margin. You can put cross-references in, but no notes. And he said that they wanted him to be the best and most learned men. So they appoint 54 men to translate the Bible. 54 men, the most learned men 
in the world. I want to read to you something that Ward Allen wrote. I want to explain to you their process. How did they translate? Uh, this is pretty interesting. Ward Allen is um, an English professor at Auburn University. He is the, the, the number one leading scholar on the history of the King James Bible. He's an amazing researcher on this. Um, I don't know whether he's saved or not. Uh, Lawrence Vance, our friend, knows him. I need to ask him that. But listen to what Ward Allen wrote about how the Bible was translated. Each translator completed his revision of a chapter week by week, and each company forged a revision. i, I got to back up and tell you what happened. The, the king said that there are going to be three places where the translation will take place. Westminster Abbey, London, University of Oxford, University of Cambridge. And there'll be two companies, two groups of translators at each of those places. So you have six companies of translators, all right? So each translator completed his revision of a chapter week by week, and each company forged a common revision by comparing these private revisions. Why is it saying revision? Do you know what the purpose of the King James Bible was? To revise the Bishop's Bible. And one of the things that James said, change the Bishop's Bible as little as you can. That's what he wanted. All right, we, can, we could go through his instructions. How many of you would rather I not go through his instructions to the translators right now? Okay. But one of the things that he said was try to keep the, the, the language the same as what the people would have known already. All right, that familiarity was important to him because they had known what the Bible said. Each translator completed his revision of a chapter week by week, and each company forged a common revision by comparing these private revisions. This revision being completed, a company circulated its work book by book. Okay, so each individual translator would translate a chapter. They were all working on the same material in that company. In that company, they would come together and compare their translation, their revision, and come up with a final version that everyone in that company could approve of. Then that product was circulated to the other five companies. So every verse, every word, every chapter, every book was translated by 54 men and gone over at least six times, a minimum of six times. That's what these men did. All right. Then from this circulation, there resulted revisions made in the light of objections raised to the work of a company and, a, and an excursus upon any objection. What is an excursus? A list of objections, okay? And an, an excursus upon any objection which the original company did not agree to. Then the translators circulated their work among the learned men. Who are the learned men? You had, all the, you had the 54 translators. The learned men were the professors of history, the professors of church history, and those who had studied the church fathers. Remember, you could completely reconstruct your New Testament from the writings of the church fathers alone. So on phrasing, they wanted to see the way the church fathers had handled and understood those texts. And then that was included. They read through and made revisions to the text. How many of you see that this was a major project? Right? Uh, I want you to compare that to Tyndale's Bible. You have one man running for his life. Here you have 54 of the most brilliant men in the history of the world working in concert. One of the things that James did, in, uh, what he was trying to do was bring peace to make sure that there was not going to be a war. So he had both uh, Church of England bishops and Puritan Protestant bishops involved in the translating, and they all had to agree on the text. So that's why your Bible has no agenda, because no agenda could be tolerated in the way that it was translated. All right? Then, so then the circulated, they circulated their work among the learned men who were not official translators and revised their work in view of the suggestions from these men. Now the translators had to circulate these revisions among the other companies. Then they prepared a final text. This final text they submitted to the general meeting in London, which spent nine months compounding disagreements among the companies. So what they did then was, after all the translation work was done, after it was completed, they sent it to some men in Stationers Hall in London, 12 of the translators, 12 of the best and most learned, 
the top 12 translators, then reviewed the whole thing for nine months. The product of that is your King James Bible. Now, one of the things that is said about your King James Bible is that they didn't have very many sources. That's why your translation is not as accurate as the modern translations, because these poor guys just didn't have anything to translate from. Well, here's what the translators said themselves. If you ask what they had before them, truly it was the Hebrew text of the Old Testament, the Greek of the New. These are the two golden pipes, or rather conduits, where through the olive branches empty themselves into the gold. If truth be to if truth be to be tried by these tongues, then whence should a translation be made but out of them? These tongues, therefore, the scriptures we say in those tongues, we set before us to translate, being the tongues wherein God was pleased to speak to His church by His prophets and apostles. So what do they translate from? The, the, the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. That's what they translated from. I don't have time to get into it tonight. Um, possibly tonight we'll talk about the qualifications of the translators. They would blow your mind. I think I've mentioned to you um, John Boyce could read Hebrew when he was five, could write it when he was six. Can you imagine? Now, Lancelot Andrews, the translator, learned a new language during his month-long vacation at Easter every year. A new language, an entire language. Um, uh, so uh, Downs was called a walking library. You, d you did not need a library of Downs because he had a photographic memory. Anything that he'd ever read, he could recite. Downs was um, traveling with a friend. This is a, there's an account of this written in his, in his biography. He was traveling with a friend after the translation had been made to, to the country. This young man stood up and had the, the King James Bible there, and he gave three reasons why they should have translated a Greek word a different way. Well, this Downs went to lunch at that man's house, and after a little bit of discussion, he said, by the way, you should not uh, do what you did in the church service today. He said, because we considered your three objections to the text, but then we had 13 more reasons why that word was chosen. And he recited those 13 reasons why they used that Greek word from memory. Can you imagine doing something like that and the guy actually sitting in the room who had done the translating of that text? Uh, that's the kind of mind these guys had. It was, a, it was a, an amazing thing. But let's look at what they had. Um, as regarding the former translations, the preface states, Neither did we think much to consult the translators or the commentators, Chaldee, Hebrew, Syrian, Greek, Latin, Spanish, French, Italian, and Dutch. Those are, those are the translations that they would use. And what they would do was when they had made their final translation, someone would read it in English. And while he's reading it in English, one of the other translators would have a French Olivetan, a German Martin Luther, a Rihanna Valera of Span in, in Spanish, a Dutch translation, a, a Syriac or a Chaldee. They would have these translations, and they would read along in that translation while the English was being read to see if it matched. How many of you think that's what happens in uh, you know, the translation of the message? I had a buddy that uh, I saw that he had a message. I said, what do you got that message? He said, I thought it said massage. Um, but anyway, I want to read to you some of the materials that they had. In addition to the works of the ancients, they were available to the early Hebrew Bible. They were available the early Hebrew Bibles, beginning with the one printed at Sosino in fourteen at, at Sonsino, fourteen eighty eight. The manual Bibles published by Bomberg, fifteen sixteen and seventeen, fifteen twenty one, fifteen twenty five to fifteen twenty eight. The rabbinic Bibles of Pretensis, fifteen sixteen, fifteen seventeen, and Ben Chaim. Uh, 1524 and 1525. The Ben Chaim would be the Masoretic text that would be underlie most of the work that would be done by conservative scholars today. Um, remember, we said last week that Rudolf Kittel, the father of Gerhard Kittel, the Nazi uh, uh, who did Kittel's theological dictionary, the Nazi that killed all the Jews that did theolo Kittel's theological dictionary, the, the Nazi that was tried at Nuremberg and found guilty, who was the editor of Kittle's Dictionary of Theological Words, that if you go to any Christian bookstore, they still sell it. How many of you think that might be a problem? Seriously, that might be a problem. His father, Rudolf Kittle, is the one that undermined the Ben Chaim's version of the Masoretic text. And then they also had the editions of Stephanus, that would be Greek, 1539, 44, 1544, 46, 
The Greek New Testaments of Erasmus, 1516, 1519, 1522, 1527, 1535, Colonnaeus, 1546-1549, 1550-1558, 1558-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 1559-1559, 
I want to demonstrate to you now the significance of your English Bible. How did that King James Bible become the Bible that it is? Well, you have God supernaturally bringing James to the throne. You say, was James a good man? You know what the answer is? No. He was not. James wasn't a good man, but he was a brilliant man. He, James personally translated the book of Psalms, the book of Matthew. He was, a, he was a brilliant, brilliant man, but he wasn't a good man. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. God brought him to the throne. But how many of you think that we ought to use murderers and adulterers? God did. God used Moses to write the first five books of the Bible. He used David to write the Psalms. How about, how about Saul, who became Paul? Fourteen books of your New Testament. So the, the character of the individual really does not influence the product in this case. That being said, the instructions that he gave to the translators were all followed, carefully followed, and produced the work that you hold in your hands. And it's very important. One of the things that, that one of the instructions that James gave them was use consistency of words. Consistency of words. And they did that. So when you have this day of the Lord, and I want you to see this, but, and the, the way that this was laid out, you have the first letter of the chapter always in nine, it would cover nine lines, then the second letter was always capitalized. So, but of the times and of the, and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. But yourselves know, for yourselves know perfectly, that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So this is exactly the Bible that you hold in your hands. By 1769, they had settled the spelling. So they revised it four times to settle the spelling. They changed the letter forms from Gothic letters to Roman letters, the letters that you and I have. That 1769 revision, that's what it was. All right? Spelling, punctuation, all the way up through that. They added some words that were left out in the printing. Words had been added in printing, and they left them out. The thing that you have to remember is they weren't sitting down with a word processor. Some printer had to take, for every one of these words, that printer would have to take a letter and put it there, take another letter and put it there, upside down and backwards. So they would put letters in the wrong place. They would forget words. They would do those things. They were trying to get this out very quickly. Why? Because the king wanted it. Okay? So there were mistakes that were made in the typesetting, not in the translation, in the typesetting. The mistakes in the translation were cared for as it went over and over and over and over and over. It was revised and revised and revised. And that's how you have the perfection of your King James Bible. So now when you see this, the day of the Lord, we understand by studying that phrase, the day of the Lord, that's how we interpret the Bible. When you look at the phrase, that day, that's how we interpret that he's coming. Uh, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and, able, and, and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Those phrases always talk about the return of Christ. That specific terminology of your King James Bible allows you to interpret the Bible without commentaries, without anything other than a concordance in a dictionary. You can understand that Bible because of the refining process. What was the refining process that was used? Well, in the instructions to the translators, listen to what they were told. Maybe. Here are the rules. There are 15 rules. Rule 1. The ordinary Bible read in the church, commonly called the Bishop's Bible, to be followed and as little altered as the truth of the original will permit. And do you notice that, that disclaimer? If it's not right, change it. Then, here's the 14th rule. These translations to be used when they agree better with the text than the Bishop's Bible. Tyndale, Matthews, Coverdale, White Churches, and Geneva. The White Church Bible, it's called that uh, because it was printed by White Church. It's the Bishop's Bible, okay? Or it's the, uh, the Great Bible. So now, what do we have here? The Bishop's Bible, Tyndale, Matthews, Coverdale, White Church, 
Geneva in the King James Bible. Look at, Matt, look at Psalm chapter 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. How many purifications did that English Bible go through according to the materials that were used by the translators? Seven times. That's just a coincidence. I just know the way that God works. And I'll tell you, if you're not from our church, if this is new information for you, um, I want you to know this. If you ever want to freak out a Bible scholar, tell them that God can read English. Amen? The thing that we have to understand, number one, God inspired His Word. Amen? As the Bible says, 1 Timothy 3.16, God inspired His Word. It's given by inspiration. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So the words were inspired, not the men. Then, according to Psalm 12.7, God said, I will preserve them from this generation forever. So God inspired His words, and then He preserved them. There's something else. We're not going to take the time to look up every passage. I want you to do this on your own. I'll give you some homework. Do you know that every time the word translate is used in your Bible, it's from something lesser to something better? The Bible says we're translated, we're translated from, uh, from darkness to light. The Bible talks about the kingdom being translated from Saul to that of David. How many of you understand the kingdom of David is better than the kingdom of Saul? Every time the word translate in your Bible is used, it's from something lesser to something better. Well, that's not what that word's talking about. All I know is that's what the Bible says about translate. Is that right? The other thing that I understand is the superior, the superior qualifications of the translators of the King James Bible. The superior method of translation. The superior sources that were used. Every bit of it. Every bit of it is superior, and that's why you have a superior Bible that you hold in your hands. The consistency of the translation. Let's talk about the quality of the language. The quality of the language. No one disputes, no one disputes that the King James Bible is the pinnacle, the pinnacle of English prose. That is beyond dispute. Any literary expert in the world will say that this is the high point of the English language. Amen? How many of you understand that the King James Bible is easier to memorize than the modern translations? Why? Because it's different. It's different than your colloquial language. It's different than, what as they would say in the old days, the vulgar language. It's different. And so your mind remembers that better. You say, but wasn't this just the way that they spoke in those days? No. No, no one talked like the English Bible. No one ever has. Why? Because it's biblical English. It's biblical English. It has power. It has authority. It has structure. And it has the hand of God on it. Every great revival among English-speaking people has been through the King James Bible. Every one of them. Every one of them. You say, are you saying that the, that the King James Bible is the only place where God has preserved His Word? Have I ever said that? Not once. Not once. God has His Word in other languages also. But this Bible, this English Bible, has been, done more to spread the gospel than any other of the translations. And do you know what is the most spoken language in the world? Even in 2011? English. By a wide margin. Somebody said, what about Arabic? There are almost 500 million people that speak English. Do you know how many people speak Arabic? 200 million. That's why this Bible has had the influence that it's had throughout the centuries. We can talk about the way that it came to be. We didn't even mention the gunpowder plot. How many of you have heard of the gunpowder plot? Guy Fawkes. They have Guy Fawkes Day in England. King James had become king 1603, 1605. The Bible is being produced. The Jesuits didn't like that. So the Jesuits put together 19 people led by a guy named Guy Fawkes, and they decided to blow up the king's palace with gunpowder. Well, it was found, and all of the people, including the head Jesuit in the city of London who knew about the plot, were executed. And so every year on Guy Fawkes Day in England, they, they burn Guy Fawkes in effigy and blow stuff up. All right? Why is that important? 
because the instrument of Satan was being used to destroy this book. And God said, no. No. I want this book in the hands of the people. I want you to think about that when you put this down today. I want you to think about it when you pick this up every day this week. How blessed we are to have God's words in the English language. What a blessing and what a privilege. That's the history of your King James Bible. Let me read you something from 1851. This is from the American Bible Society. The introduction to their printing of the King James Bible. The translators little foresaw the vast results and immeasurable influence of what they had thus done, both for time and eternity. Venerated men. Their venerated names are now hardly known to more than a few persons. Yet in the providence of God, the fruits of their labors have spread to far distant climes, have laid broad and deep the foundations of mighty empires, have afforded to multitudes strength to endure adversity and grace to resist the temptations of prosperity. And only the revelations of the judgment day can disclose how many millions and millions through the instrumentality of their labors have been made wise unto salvation. Amen? So Someone said, never before have the names of authors, have the works of authors been read by so many and known by so few. Why? Translators are not important. The words are important. Amen? Are you glad you've got it? Thank you, Lord, so much for your word.